0: It is my privilege to introduce to you a very good friend of mine this morning. This is Jim Barnard. He is a great friend, and our story begins uh, working together at Eastern Hills Community Church. Eight years ago. Eight years ago in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, Since then, we've had many, many adventures, including an adventure yesterday. Oh my gosh, yes. We went on a bear hunt.
1: I'm not a hunter, and like, you should start with the bear hunt. That's, that's epic.
0: I said, I said, you ever been on a bear hunt? And he said, have I ever been on a hunt? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had a good time. We didn't, we didn't find any bears, but there were some moments where we thought we might. So it was pretty fun. Uh, Jim is here today to share with us... Uh, his story of suffering, uh, which he has written in this book called The Suffering Guy, the title I Never Wanted. Uh, Jim uh, has uh, really just thought through um, and, and written out uh, the story of him and Alicia. Uh, uh, Alicia is his dear wife. Uh, she was not able to join us this week as you'll hear throughout his story this morning. Um, she's got uh, a testimony of, of the difficult um, Medical battle. And so, uh, Alicia, we know you're at home. We love you. And hi, Anderson. Uh, We're so glad you guys are live streaming as well. Jim uh, leads a ministry also called Tiller, where he helps to cultivate what's going on in people's lives. So, can we just give a warm welcome to Jim Barnard? And I'm your hype guy. So, front row, here you go. You get (laughs) a book. You get a book. You get a book. Okay. And let me pray for you, Jim. Yes. Jesus, thank you for Jim. Pray that you would speak through him in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Brian. Um, I'm gonna say some kind words about him as he heads off. Uh, I've, I've known Brian for about eight years and um, he's, he's just been a, a rock for me in a lot of different ways. Uh, when I started at, at this church in, in Denver, um, Eastern Hills, I had been in Denver for two years already, but like it was a lonely place. Like we didn't have a lot of community, and with uh, with my wife's condition, with like what's happened in our lives, we need a lot of community. But it's just the kind of a desert place for us. And Brian, as soon as I started there, invited me over to his house for a barbecue as a Fourth of July deal. And he uh, like he's grilling and, and making things happen and being boisterous. Like I was like, oh, this guy's pretty cool. Well, he, uh, my my almost three year old at that point uh, was, uh, um, you know, kind of there like checking things out, and Brian slipped him a, like a whole giant like quarter pound burger that was just like stacked and juicy, you know what I'm saying, and. Um, you know, I would have cut it up like carefully for him, but this kid was like, this is the best day of my life. And he's just like smashing this thing. And forevermore, Brian will be Mr. Burger. And so um, Anderson's super sad not to be here because he's hungry. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so thanks for that introduction, Brian. I, I, I do have a story that I frankly don't want to have. Um, it's a story of suffering. It's uh, not been fun. I've hated it. I'd give it away. I'd trade anything to have my wife healthy. But it's the story that God has written in our lives. Um, to give you a little bit of context, my wife has a, a, a chronic illness. It's called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. If you've ever seen a contortionist, someone who can bend their joints in any direction, they probably have that same disease. Uh, it's just located in their joints. Um, the, the version that Alicia has tends to be like localized in her abdomen. So just everything in here is like real loosey-goosey. There's no muscle tone pushing food through her digestive system. Uh, there's, you know Her organs have all pretty much prolapsed or fallen out of place. She's got cow tissue and meshing and tacks, trying to keep things where they're supposed to be. And that right there, if like, you just stop there, like that's, that's enough. But man, she's got so much pain. There's neurological issues. She falls a lot. She's, she's not in a great place. We got married in September of 2006. Look at that. How beautiful is she? I can't get over it. I just might take that in for a minute. Um, Alicia's the best, man. September of 2006. I am um, so excited about getting married. Like uh, for those of you that are married, you, you can relate with the anticipation with which you look forward to your wedding day and wedding night, but that's a different talk. Um, but you, you, you ask these questions like, okay, what is this going to be like? I, 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 there's so much ahead of us. There's so much excitement well, three months after we got married is when Alicia got sick. It happened, it happened hard and fast. At first, I wasn't sure exactly what to, um, what to think about this. It, it felt like she had just the stomach flu. Like she just was puking and puking and puking. I'm like, okay, well, you'll get over it. It's fine. Like, do you want some therapy flu? Like, like what, what's helpful? I don't know. But after five, six, seven, eight, I don't even know how many days, it was like, you're not getting better. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, what, what, what's happening? We started to go see doctors and try to get some answers. The solution was always like, hey, take a laxative that'll speed things up. Um, I mean, that just didn't work. Like, there was like a real problem. I tell people that we basically honeymooned at the Mayo Clinic. I don't know why, but they send sick people to Minnesota in the middle of winter as a punishment, I guess. Shame on you for getting sick. Uh, but we went up there and we, we, we weren't sure what to expect. I mean, it's, it's such a big complex. I mean, this whole town is just centered around health and like sickness and just craziness. So we are up there and we, you know, we, we meet this initial doctor and he sets this plan for like all these tests. And Alicia had to spend... Um, about three months up there. It was, it was not awesome. And I had just spent all my vacation time on my wedding and my honeymoon. There was no time left. Like I, I couldn't take it off. And so, you know, her sister and my sister and a few other people were kind enough to, to stay with her because, I mean, this is scary. I mean, she's in a lot of pain. She's really scared what's happening to me? Like, I don't want to be alone. So she's she's up there and she's doing just the worst tests you can imagine. Um, tests like anal rectal manometry. Doesn't that sound like just, ooh, sign me up. Uh, putting balloons in places you don't want balloons. And um, she it just, it, it was it was months of just awfulness. And we lived in St. Louis at the time. So I'm stuck in St. Louis just, not sure how to help. Like, I, I feel so helpless. Like, I, I can't help her in the first place, but now I can't even like be there to comfort her. Those, those days were pretty rough. Um, eventually she got through all these terrible tests and I was able to come up and, and be with her for the, the conclusive meeting. Like, okay, this is what's wrong with you and this is what we're gonna do and um, this is the plan, right? Well, the doctor there had recalled a conversation from our initial meeting, where he was asking all the standard questions, you know, like, um, "Did you go to college?" or like, "Are you well adjusted?" you know like, "How's your relationship with your parents?" And uh, Alicia 's dad, there's not much of a relationship there. He's just not a good dude, and that's fine. Alicia's super healthy. Like, can I just preface this? Like, Alicia's like the greatest person you've ever met. Like, I wish she was here. I wish I could just be like, all right, like, go ahead, tell them. Um, Cause she would just crush this time. She's so strong. She's so smart. She's never lost out on hope. Like, she's just like the total package. Loves Jesus like you wouldn't believe. And so this doctor says, hey, so you're a ruminator. I'm like, what does that mean? I'm clueless. And she's smarter than me. So she kind of got it right away. She's like, so you think I'm nuts? Like, that, that, that's it. Like, you, you just think I'm crazy. And the doctor said, no, not nuts. I just feel like you haven't dealt with, you know, emotional problems in your life properly. And if you got counseling, a lot of these physical issues would go away. Well, I've done counseling. I've, I've done all these, like, she's on top of things, guys. Like, she's amazing. So, yeah, we, we, we left this meeting with this conclusion of, like, you're, you're just, you're crazy. It's psychological. It's, it's not physical. It's just psychological. Alicia's like, well, what about the anal rectal manometry? What about that? Like, did you, what did the results say? What about this? What about that? We had one doctor tell us the Ellers danlos thing. And he's like looking at the 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 charts and the results for the first time as we're asking him. This is a busy place. Like it's hard for a doctor to like be on top of everyone's deal and everyone's story and everyone's results. So I get it, but yeah, he just sent us away saying we can give you a, a recommendation for a counselor. So we left Minnesota pretty defeated. It was not fun. We got back home and we went and saw a, a local GI doctor, this guy that actually recommended that we go to Mayo. And we were really nervous because it was like, okay, if, if you can't help us, who can? Because I mean, that, that guy up there isn't gonna do anything. So you, this feels like our, our like last hope, like uh, maybe maybe she is not, I don't know. So we go and see this doctor and we, we tell him everything that happened and, um, He's like looking through all the charts and the results and man, I, I wanna puke. Like I am so nervous that he's gonna say, you know what, I think he actually has a point. Like you might be a ruminator. Like that terrifies me. I, I, <sighs> he just looks up from all this paperwork. I mean, just like inches thick and is like, honey, it's in your guts, not in your head. I was so thankful for him because it just validated like okay like <laughs> can we can we do something about it is there a solution can we can we move forward and a few months later he he kind of between the stuff he did and all these great tests that we got results from he was able to kind of identify that you know probably the majority of this disease was located in her colon. Like, that's probably where the problem is. So if we just bypass the colon for a while and see how you do. And so that it, it's called a temp, temporary ileostomy. So that it's, it's a bag. It's a poo bag. That's what we're talking about here, guys. It's a poo bag. I hope you're okay. Um, I'm not trying to give the potty talk, but she had this thing for several months. And frankly, she got better. Like, she could eat and like, it would go through the system, and it was it was it was a lot better. Like I was getting my wife back. Oh my gosh! Like this is the greatest thing. She uh, ended up having this ileostomy reversed, and they did a surgery to like reconnect and take out the colon because the colon's no good. It's shot. And really, this colon, um, when they biopsied it, this doctor who was so kind to us, he came in and said. Hey, we've never seen results on, on a biopsy like this before. It is PVC pipe hard, but paper thin. Like there's there's very little chance that you wouldn't have, have perforated and gone septic and probably died within maybe weeks. It truly was in her guts. It wasn't in her head. So she had the surgery to take out the colon. They reconnected, you know, what was left two inches of the colon and uh, reconnected it with the, with the intestines. And she was in the hospital for about 10 days. It was a pretty major surgery. And on the last day of the surgery, I actually had this rare business trip that I was about to go on and I had my bags packed and I was like, I don't have to go. It's okay, like I can stay, I can skip the trip. And she said, no, I want you to go. Like I'm, I'm leaving really in a few hours anyways. So I'm like, okay. So I had my bag packed and I was ready to go to the airport. And she said, hey, before you go, can you just help me get to the bathroom? Of course, I'm I'm your husband, I'm here to help. So in one hand, I've got her arm. And then in the other hand, I've got the IV pole. And I'm just slowly ushering. She's, you know, baby steps. We're going along. And then just suddenly... She falls. She just collapses. I take my hand off the, the pole and I dive down and I catch her just before she hits the ground. She, like she wasn't there. They was just lifeless. It was really scary. Andy Merkel said that I could cry if I wanted to, and that would be okay. So I'm gonna try to keep this together. So I'm, I'm trying to get her back to the bed and it's, I mean, she's dead weight. She doesn't weigh a lot, but like I'm, you know, trying to keep her head from like snapping backwards or I don't know if she's alive. I don't know if she's dead. I'm moving the IV pole. And as I'm going, I'm screaming. I'm just yelling for help. Like I can't get to a nurse's button. Please someone help, please someone help, help. And I'll be honest, I have no idea if I'm actually making any sound. Like for all I know, I'm in shock and it's, I'm just imagining it because no one's coming. Get her to the bed and see the button. And I'm like, finally a nurse runs in and she's like, oh, oh, and she pages someone or I don't know what she does, but suddenly there's like, a dozen, maybe two dozen doctors and nurses just all like their crash carts, like let's code whatever we need to do, let's do it. And I noticed this like trail of blood from the hospital bed to the this place that she got to where she collapsed. She had been bleeding. I pointed out to the doctor, he's like, we're going to surgery, come on, let's prep her. And it was all happening so fast and yet so slow at the same time. It was surreal. She's getting ready for surgery and she's starting to come to, um, which was such a relief for me, but she like was there, but not there, if you know what I'm saying. Very glassy eyed and confused. And um, she gets just head off to surgery and I'm panicked. Like, is, is this the last time I'm gonna see my wife? she was fine. It was fine. They connected the the place again. Basically, the connection didn't hold and it had kind of just bled there like all night. I'm so glad she was still in the hospital. If she had gone home the night before, which they kind of like were about to send her home, but they're like, ah, you already paid for the night. So let's just have you stay. (laughs) I am so glad because it was really scary. So after that season, she got a little bit better for a while because she could, she could eat and it would go through. But the rest of the digestive system started to get the Ellers danlos stuff. And you know she started to puke more and more and just not be able to keep anything down, get sicker and sicker. And so we, we had to keep doing stuff. We needed to go on this journey to try to figure out like what is going to solve this problem? How, how can we fix this? She... Found an opportunity with a, a doctor at Dartmouth uh, Medical Center in New Hampshire, where this guy was like, hey, I do some Ehlers stuff. Maybe, maybe you'd be eligible for a, 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 like a medical trial. Um, come up here. We'll run a bunch of tests. And that's scary because we've got PTSD from the Mayo stuff. But we decided to do it. We make an, a road trip out of it. Colorado to New Hampshire, that's a long drive. But we, we made an adventure. And so we, we drove up there. We did several days of tests and when she got done, it was pretty clear, like we didn't know for sure, but it was pretty clear there was not gonna be much this guy could do to help us. He at least didn't insult her and say, hey, you're you're crazy. He said, no, you're really sick. I wish I, I could help you. So as we drove away from there, we had a vacation planned at Nantucket Island. We're driving down this highway. And Alicia's really pensive. Like, I can tell she's, she's not good. And she's like, hey, could, could you pull over? I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We have to pull over a lot, like, you know, with her getting sick so much. Uh, there, there's a lot of places in the country, a lot of beautiful places in the country that she's had to throw up at. We'd pull over and we'd make it happen. We joke that we could do a bus tour, and it would be beautiful. You guys would love it, um, of all these crazy places. So I pull over and, and instead of just like popping her head out and throwing up, she gets all the way out of the car. And typically I would rub her back if she's sitting there, but she got all the way out and we're sitting, here's a picture. We're sitting on the side of the road where there's like this unbelievable just field of wildflowers. Like that's where I'm parked. And I'm just kind of like taking that in. Like how beautiful, this is oddly beautiful. Beautiful for the side of the interstate. And the next thing I hear is Alicia just screaming. Ah! Oh my gosh. Jump out of the car, run around. I'm expecting to see like something. I like, is is she dying? Is there a bear? I know how to hunt bears. Not then, but. um. (laughs) She's just screaming. She's really like, feeling it. Now I told you, like, she's the strongest, she's the smartest, she's, she can endure like no one I know, but this journey's been hard. It's, it's been years and years of this garbage being poked and prodded and never having a solution. It's awful. It's a real battle. And Alicia's just letting it out. You know what I did? I just stood right next to her and just screamed with her. Two grown adults on the side of an interstate in, in New England. Ah! It was actually awesome. It was exactly what we needed. I'm so glad we had that moment. So glad I took a picture of that. I mean, that's pretty cool. So we, uh, you know, eventually we, we get home from our vacation. She has a chance encounter with a doctor who's like, hey, you know what? I actually may know something that may help you. Can't guarantee this might not be the miracle that you've prayed for. I know you've prayed for a miracle, but... I think we should try it. It's a a therapy called IVIG. It's a um, uh, antibody therapy. So you get every dose, you get a thousand people's antibodies, um, you know, just fed into you. And it like helps your immune system. It like can regenerate some neurological loss. It's, it's, I don't know if they totally know why it's working for Alicia, but it's working for Alicia. Like it's actually helping. Let me show you this chart here. And, this is a little goofy. Like in, in, in the book, um, there's so many stories. There's 28 chapters of like all these different stories. And here's a few of them just in, uh, you know, encapsulated by pictures. But I've always viewed like her health as like, a, like this chart. And after we got married, it was pretty consistently downhill. We'd have short seasons of plateau, but I mean, this isn't to scale, right? I can't, I can't prove this, but this is what it feels like. And those last three pictures there are kind of like that season after IVIG. Things kind of leveled out. It got a lot better. Like I wasn't losing my wife as quickly as I was. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. And then the insurance company said, you know what, this isn't medically necessary anymore. Alicia's doing pretty good. What, Like, don't you keep a chart like mine? She's doing well because of this therapy. This is the thing that's helping her. Please don't take this away. Well, this therapy is not cheap. Um, when, they, when they canceled it on us, it was like, okay, you, you can pay for it. You can still have IVIG. It'll cost $300,000 a year. That's a lot of money. And I'm a pastor. I, I don't make anywhere close to $300,000. Like I, like, how in the world am I going to be able to do this? And so this, this book that Brian's trying to give away to everyone um, actually started then because I was at such a loss. I wasn't sure what to do. Like how, how do I pay for this? Like I, up until this point, there's nothing I can do to help my wife. I'm totally out of control. I want to fix things for her. I can't do it. What do I do? So I'm like, okay, I know I'll write a book and then like I can try to share it and encourage other people to share it. It can go viral. And then Oprah, Oprah can help us. Save me, Oprah. (laughs) It was a good idea. I don't know how far or wide it went, but I got really overwhelmed by that like being that authentic and bearing it out and, and sharing all the deal. If I'm being honest, I, I was just frankly depressed. Uh, it had been a long season and I naturally probably struggle with some depression, but um, it was really hard. So I, I stopped writing and I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't muster up the strength anymore. I'll share more about that, but you guys ready for some Bible. It's probably good. We're in church. Let's do some Bible. Amen. All right. If you want to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 17, I'm going to set the stage just for a moment. We've got Israel who has been enslaved by Egypt and slavery is not great. Newsflash. It's really hard for them. God sends someone to save them, Moses. And Moses is going to help them gain their freedom. So Moses is able to do this. God works through him. There's all these plagues. The last plague, the, the Passover. Pharaoh's finally like, please get out. This is not worth it, go. Israel packs up, they don't waste any time. They are out the door. Pharaoh is like, oh my gosh, I'm just playing it out. Like, I, I really enjoyed having free labor. We, we were missing out on something really good. Let, let's actually like change our minds. Let's go get them. So there's this chase, and Israel gets to the Red Sea, and there's a wall there, man. Like, you're not going to cross the Red Sea without a boat, right? So they, they're stuck. Their backs are up against the wall. The, uh, the Egyptian army's coming for them. Like, this is it, man. Like, there's no way. But God made a way. God parted the Red Sea. Israel was able to pass through on dry land. After they got on the other side, God closed the Red Sea right on top of the Egyptian army. And that's an amazing story. I mean, that right there, if, if I'm part of, like an, if I'm an Israelite and I see this, I encounter this, I experience it, I am all in, like forever. Like I will never turn myself away. Like God, whatever you want, whatever you ask, wherever you're guiding, psh, I'm in. Well, it didn't take Israel very long to start to grumble. 45 days of being in the wilderness, even though God is providing, he's providing water where there is no water. He's providing food where there is no food. He's providing. Israel is grumbling. They wanna go back to slavery. That makes no sense, but they keep pressing on and then they find themselves in a battle. All right, I said, we're gonna get to the Bible. Here we go. This is Exodus chapter 17, starting at verse eight. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses ordered. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites with the sword." That is such an amazing story. Brian, why don't you go ahead and head up here? I need a, a prop. You'll do. Um, so, this is an amazing story. There's a, a real battle that is happening down in the valley. And Moses has this plan to go up on the mountainside. And this is how he's going to help fight this, this battle. There's a lot on the line on this battle. If you think about it, you know, a bunch of Israelites wanna go back to to slavery, but if they lose this battle, they might become enslaved again. They might be obliterated and they're not gonna make it to the promised land. Like God has something for them. That's where they're headed. There's a lot on the line in this battle. So Brian, if you you just go ahead and be Moses and just arms up, like real high. I know, Char- I know
0: you're... Charlton Heston? Yes. So Let good. Let my people go. Right. Okay.
1: Brian moved I mean a am in character. Lo- Brian moved a lot of chairs and he's really sensitive. He got, he's got some steam pits. It's fine. It's okay. We've all been there. Okay. <laughs> come on. Okay. Come on. Okay. All right. So, <clears throat> Moses said, tomorrow I will go up on the mountainside and I'm going to do this. And what is this? This is victory pose. I haven't won like a a ton in my life. Like uh, I I love sports, but I wasn't that good of an athlete. But whenever I did win, you better believe I was in victory pose. Like, yes. Like
0: like the Broncos. No, not like the Broncos. Super Bowl 50. Broncos and Super Bowl 50.
1: (laughs) I'm still salty about the Broncos beating the Packers. I'm a Packers fan. Okay, Um, so this is victory pose. We do this instinctively when we experience victory keep it up. Don't stop. Okay? okay. There's a problem. Moses's strength, it's not strong enough. It just isn't. His plan of, I will go up on the mountainside. It's not a great plan. It just isn't because it's all dependent on his strength. And just like me, my, my strength's not strong enough. Moses's strength isn't strong enough. Maybe Brian's is, but Moses has a balcony seat to what's happening down in the valley. Like he can clearly see that when his arms get weak and weary, don't drop them, keep them up. When his arms get weak and weary and they drop, he can see down here, like we're losing. I gotta, okay, come on. I can do this, but he can't. And Aaron and her are just watching this like, let me know when you're ready for help, like we're here. So finally, he just, he gives up and scripture doesn't say this, but I absolutely believe that Moses cried out. He wasn't on the side of an interstate in New Hampshire, but he, he yelled out. Ah! I don't know if he's screaming to God, if he's crying out to God or if he's crying out to his friends. To me, it doesn't matter because God's strength comes from God's people. That's an important point right there. So Aaron and her are like, "Okay, we got you." Uh, hey, how are you? Could you come up stage for me? Yeah, I need you. Yeah, all right. So this battle's happening. Moses can't keep his strength up because his strength isn't strong enough. Come on over. What's your name? David, what's up, man? Good to meet you. Here, come over here. You're gonna be her, okay? I get to be Aaron. Okay, so they recognize what's happening. They recognize his strength isn't strong enough. And they come up beside him. And they said, we're gonna experience victory together. This is happening, Moses. You ready for this? Because this is happening. David, you're doing great. And Brian really needed this. His arms were starting to shake. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Moses' strength isn't strong enough. Do you see what I, what's happening right now? Do you see how me and David, we're in victory pose ourselves? Isn't that cool? <laughs> I'm in victory pose to keep Moses in victory pose. That's a lot of victory right there. That's a big deal. <laughs> and guess what? Victory is won. The battle in the valley, it's won. All right. Good job. Thank you for participating. David, let's give it up for him. Thank you. <laughs> You're like, I, I didn't sign up for this. What's up? Here's something that's super important. Proximity matters. If Aaron and her were down in the valley fighting the battle, Moses still would have cried out. That would have happened. And they might've heard him but it would have taken them a while to get up the mountain. Took us a while to get up the mountain to find that bear that wasn't there, but it would have have taken them a while and the battle would have been lost. Proximity matters. And Aaron and her were there to help the battle in the valley. The battle in the valley is just such a great analogy to me because it's what I feel like I felt for 15 years now. That, like I'm experiencing a battle. And honestly, I'm looking right at the camera because I know Alicia's watching. Like Alicia's been the one fighting the battle. And I've just been like a real close observer. I've, I've been someone who's tried to hold her arms up, but man, like, I, it's, this is profoundly hard, guys. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your battle is down in the valley, but I believe that there's a lot of battles in a lot of valleys in this room a room this big with this many people, I know there's battles and I'm sorry. It's gotta be hard. You've gotta be weak. You've gotta be weary. Your strength is not strong enough. I want you to know that that's true and it's okay. (sighs) A few years ago, two years ago to be exact, I came up to visit Brian when he was at Big Sky just before he came here. And I am skiing with him up on the mountain. I needed to get away because things with Alicia were really tough. We just finished this IVIG thing. Frankly, I was going through bankruptcy because it, like medical bills were like outrageous. I was depressed. It was, it was awful. And as, as I'm skiing with him, we go through the, the, the trees a little bit and I'm a better skier than Brian. <clears throat> But he was skiing ahead of me because I I, I just didn't have it that day. I get around a a bend and he's standing there and he's like, Whoa, are you okay? I couldn't even say a word. I just, he could tell my, my goggles were all fogged up. I had been crying so hard as I ski. That's weird, man. But he asked me, he was close the proximity really mattered that day and i was able to share what was true i was able to cry out and it began something really positive in my life i began to get really close with some other people and share what was happening i was able to take a 2 month break from my church work and go to a treatment center and get healthy and have have people around me to hold my arms up gosh i was weak and weary it was bad It was really bad. So, who's close to you? Who's close in proximity to you? If you're married, your spouse, our marriages are great places to hold people's hands up. I mean, come on, like that. That's a gift that God has given you. Your spouse is not your enemy, your spouse is your Aaron or your her. You can choose. Or if you have a family, your family, like I hope you're close with them. They, they can come alongside of you and hold your arms up. Your community, Journey G, I I don't know you guys, I met a few of you before this, but I hope you feel like an absurd sense of community here because proximity matters and hey, guess what? You guys are actually close in proximity Community, like church community is, oh, it's the best. Like i frankly, once I got real with my stuff, I saw the church community in a new light and it like just exploded for me. It was, it was beautiful. I didn't just have like an Aaron and a her; I had like a, a fleet of people right there with me. Guys, if you're not in community, please figure it out. I talked to Michelle earlier and she was telling me about how great journey communities are. Man, go sign up right after this. Like, don't wait. If your arms are weak and weary, why are you not in community? Find this. It won't change everything right away, but you gotta, you gotta get real. You gotta cry out. So one more thing I wanna say about victory is when we win, when, when, when there's real victory, don't we like to put banners up in the rafters? a huge basketball fan. I'm not particularly a Celtics fan, but when I think of the Celtics, I think of all their championship banners. And that's a big deal. Like we can look at those things and be like, whoa, like, look what happened. Look, look, we're in the Boston Garden. Like, oh my gosh, we can celebrate that. Moses built a, the rafters, so to say. He hung a banner. Check this out. This is Exodus 17, verse 15. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. He needed to memorialize what happened that day, that victory was won. When the battle in the valley was the hardest, when things were the most challenging and he was the weakest and the weariest, victory was won. Let's put up that championship banner. And I'll be honest, like I I told you I was really freaked out, spooked about sharing my story, writing this book. And I'm like, "Eh, no, thanks. Frankly, my my book, it's for me. It's my championship banner. I hope you guys get it, I hope you read it. (laughs) Got copies out there. And I don't wanna go home to Denver with a lot of copies. Those books are heavy. But can I tell you one more thing? Like this is the most important thing. Like if you only hear one thing today, I hope it's this. There is one other person who wants to hold your arms up. And this person is really good at holding his arms up and being on the mountainside. This man's Jesus. You know, you think of the cross and we think of this, right? Like that's the shape of the cross. Jesus didn't, wasn't crucified like this. When he took on all of our sin and shame and our suffering, he hung like this. This blew my mind when I like, realized it. It wasn't that long ago. Like, oh my gosh, Jesus, I understood that, that Calvary was about victory, but I had no idea you were in victory pose. And Jesus stays in victory pose for us. And frankly, I I call the the title of the book is the Suffering Guy. I'm not the Suffering Guy. Jesus is the Suffering Guy. No one suffered more than him. He continues to suffer my sin every day. But he is the source of victory. Man, there's a championship banner. on the hill, on the mountainside side of Calvary. And I hope you know that. I hope you know him and I hope you're clinging to him. Without like, I don't know how people do this without Jesus. I could not have done this journey without Jesus. Like there's just no way. I got weak and weary. He provided strength when I could have never expected it. So Jesus is the suffering guy. I get to be a suffering guy there's this great verse in Romans eight that says, we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs with Jesus, provided that we suffer with Jesus. I'm real good on the first part. I'm not so strong in the second part. Jesus, I'm glad you suffered. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not about that action. but I do wanna be an heir with you. And you know what? Jesus' suffering changed everything. It changed the whole world. It brought true victory. Nothing is the same. And if I get to suffer with Jesus, maybe that means that my suffering can change the world as well. Maybe it means that my suffering can have a victory story, can have a championship banner. Guys, I don't know how you're suffering, I don't know how you have suffered, I don't know how you will suffer, but I believe most of us are here today because we're excited about heaven. Can't wait for that day to come. It's gonna be pretty nice, pretty nice. It's gonna be perfect. Can I I tell you the way to get from here to there? It's suffering, that's the path. If you don't know that, I'm sorry, I just broke something to you. Death and tribulation are the only way to get to heaven. And I'll say for myself, I got really tired of suffering poorly. Knowing that there's a king who reigns victorious, and I'm not claiming any part of it. I'm so thankful that Jesus has held my arms up. He's given me other people to hold my arms up, that I've gotten some amount of victory. Alicia is still super sick. I don't know how much longer she's going to survive. But all of this, being a suffering guy is absolutely worth it if it encourages one person to be victorious. So folks here in this room and online, I hope you're willing to engage being a suffering guy or a suffering gal, it's time. I mean, honestly, I, I was a terrible Christian in the sense that like, I didn't represent Christ well. And you know people could look at me and be like, well, if. that's a Christian, not sure I'm totally into it. I think what's going to make our faith real, what's going to make it grow, what's gonna make it spread is suffering well and crying out when we know that we're losing the victory, when we're weak and weary. So I hope you're with me on that. I hope that there's a lot of suffering guys and suffering gals here that are just ready to handle it. I know we can do it. We're not alone. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much for, first of all, your son, that you sent him to reign victorious. You sent him, frankly, to suffer. You sent him for us. That this life was gonna be about suffering you know, with or without him. This world is broken it's just it's not right we can't do this alone we can't do any of this alone father we need you we need your son we need your holy spirit we need your people we need your strength so we look to you and we look to the championship banners that, that you've provided in the past because you, there's, there's a lot of them hanging in the rafters father Thank you. We need you. You know how much we need you. Help my friends to find victory when the battle in the, in the valley is, is the worst. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.